Did you ever hear the story of how RGGEDU almost disbanded? Robert and Gary had quite a falling out after Gary drank an entire bottle, I'm serious, an entire bottle of absinthe. It's true. And he then proceeded to spend the entire podcast budget buying Sesame Street costumes on the internet. To this day, nobody has ever worn them. Welcome to the RGGEDU podcast, where Rob and Gary rent a suite and fill up the bathtub with High Life and PBR. Season 5 of the RGGEDU podcast is brought to you by Ellen Crumb. The team at Ellen Crumb believes that photography, in all its forms, is one of life's great ongoing adventures, and they are firmly committed to creating lighting gear, modifiers, and accessories that make these adventures more fulfilling, productive, and rewarding. With the launch of the new ELB 500 TTL, adventurous portrait photographers desiring a TTL solution for both in-studio and on-location use can now join in on the fun. In this episode, we sit down with Kate Woodman and also Rob Grimm to talk a little photography. And Kate's... A lot of photography. A lot of, Kate a lot has of, a lot of a photography. Lot. She does, yeah. She, she does the photographies. Oh, man. Sometimes. All the photographies. Yeah, for Kate, sure. Kate, give us a little intro. What, what type of work do you do? What do you call yourself? Oh, boy. Um, I think it kind of changes on a daily basis, but right now I'm going to go with conceptual photography. Um, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. What would yeah. you have gone with yesterday? If today's conceptual, mm. what was yesterday? Uh, well, yesterday I was at a, a trade show talking to a bunch of agents and art producers, <laughs> so I, was, I would have gone with you know commercial photography then, right. which is a good you know blanket approach to it. So nice are you safe. are you currently doing this full time, and if so, how I, long? I am. Um, I was a structural engineer for ten years, and wow. then about two years ago we moved uh, from the east coast to the west coast, and I decided, what the hell, give it a shot, go full time. So. It's been uh, almost exactly two years since I moved out there and is that because full time. you really didn't like what you were doing or just really loved photography more than what you were no doing? i actually I liked being an engineer um, you know it kind of satisf- satisfied the left brain right brain stuff you know it's, it's creative problem solving but um, you know I'd go to work by nine to five job i'd I'd do the work during the day um, and then I would leave and I wouldn't think about it anymore until I came into work the next day. And then when I discovered photography, I couldn't really shut it off. So it got to the point where I would go to work and I would think about photography instead of engineering. And then I'd be, you know, coming up with concepts and shoot ideas and jotting stuff down on the train home and not being able to fall asleep at night because I was thinking about it. So, um, I think I, I, it sounds cliche, but I kind of found my calling or my passion and, uh, decided what the hell, we'll just go for it and see what happens. You got so you the just itch. quit the job and go for it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, we were in kind of a lucky transition cause I had, um, I had gone to New Zealand for work at the end of my time, uh, as an engineer and we had planned on moving anyway. And so I had this kind of great six month period where I could go to this amazing country, take a lot of great photos and kind of save up, um, for like a little, a little fun to fund my, um, my startup. So, uh, it, it turned out to transition really well and the timing was really good. So, so what was your first set of images? Like the first book that you put together, um, Ooh. during your time in New Zealand and traveling and, uh, what'd that look like? Oh, it looked terrible. I mean, <laughs> every, everyone sucks when they start, right? Um, 
So the first time I went down was 2011, and that was kind of the the, the start, the beginning of the end, as it were. Um, I had never really done much photography before then. In fact, I think my sister took a class in high school, and uh, she would bring stuff home, and I'm like, that's so stupid. Why would you take pictures of stuff that's right in front of you? You know, I came from, like, a painting and drawing background, so I just didn't get it. Um, but then... Uh, you know, I was in this new country and I was living there with a bunch of people who had never been. And so every weekend was kind of like, let's go and see this new place or try this new thing and sort of document my trip and show my family what I was doing and make them insanely jealous. I would take a lot, a lot of photos and I would post them. And I think I edited them all in, uh, whatever the like default Microsoft office, um, like photo viewer or something like that and like just nice. cranked saturation cranked the contrast it was really quite horrendous um but <laughs> that's kind of where where that spark was lit and so you uh, definitely cannot retouch a microsoft office just no so you know. this, this was two, yeah this was two years ago no 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 this no, was no. 2011 okay, okay. And then, so I went back in 2013, and this time I was like, all right, I'm going to learn a little bit about photography this time. So, uh, you know, the pictures I bring back are actually somewhat worthwhile. Um, so I, I think I bought Lightroom and kind of played around with that, and that was really the first time that I started doing any kind of, like, legitimate photo manipulation um, and retouching. And then... Were you shooting people while you were there? No, just no, just landscape. Um, and then kind of on a whim, I guess this is kind of funny. My, my husband had gotten into photography a little bit and he bought that like strobist beginner kit. And it's like one flash, a white shoot through umbrella and a light stand. And it sat in the closet for like probably about a year and a half and he never touched it. Hmm. And so one day in a, in a fit of boredom, I was like, all right, I'm just going to try this out, see what happens. And I pulled it out of the closet and I think I used my cello as my first subject uh, with off-camera flash, and I was like, this is amazing. I love this. I want to do all of this. Um, and so next time I figured I would get a person in front of my camera instead, and so that that's kind of how the people side of things came uh, came about. But you've been working as a landscape photographer for several years? I I mean, I, had hob- I was hobbying. Dabbling. I was dabbling, um, still working full-time at this point. And uh, so it was basically landscape from, like, 2011 to 2013. And then I was like, I'm going to take this completely the other way around and shoot studio portraiture. I think... The thing that really got me excited about that was actually beauty stuff. So I would see like cosmetics campaigns and be, and look at you know the flawless skin and the lighting and be like, how do you do that? Um, so that was kind of the inspiration for that. Um, so I shot in studio for two years, and then when I moved to the West Coast, I was like, all right, I love landscape and I love portrait. How do I fit these two together? Um, so the last couple of years has really been about trying to merge those uh, the subject matters and kind of do justice to both the landscape and the people and make it about this kind of cohesive story where it's not just about a personality, but it's about the context they're in and kind of the storytelling uh, thing. So. so what was your first big shooter, your first client, hmm. your first paid gig? You get paid to do this? <laughs> Nobody clearly, told you. I, clearly, I'm missing something. <laughs> um, when I, uh, my first clients were, um, were, it was all fashion work. So it was like local boutiques, um, up and coming designers who wanted their lookbooks done and they wanted something a little bit different. Um, 
and then a lot of beauty stuff. So I still do a lot of work for um, a couple local cosmetics companies, um, even though I've sort of transitioned out of that in my <clears throat> personal work. Excuse me, um, but it kind of it's kind of lingered on. I'm trying to trying to sort of get into more of the commercial conceptual stuff, but I have a strong base in the fashion and beauty stuff. So. Your, your work, I, I would say, is extremely conceptual. At least this, a lot of the stuff that I look at, I'm like, wow, there's so much thought in it, and there's so many storylines that are established. Mm-hmm. And I think your portfolio is presented in a very interesting way. I've been sitting here trying to think of another photographer who's really presented their work online this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to Kate's site, and when you see an image, uh, basically the main page is filled with images, and you click on one, but it takes you to a whole series of images. It, right. might, it might just be two. It might be 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so behind every single image is a whole series you're you're really working in depth on your stuff Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um i think storytelling is a huge part of what interests me in photography um and kind of the ability to capture of either a full story or a segment of story in one image i think is is really challenging um and i like that challenge um So, you know, sometimes, you're right, sometimes it is just one image, and how much can I tell in this one shot? And then sometimes I try to to, um, spread it out a little bit and kind of give this visual experience as you you go through the imagery. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always interested in having some kind of point of view or some kind of storytelling aspect in in each shot. Where are you drawing your your senses of of inspiration in your stories? Because you've got some really varied stuff. Let's just talk about something like watch the world burn versus aroused which yeah aroused is really funny it's really humorous yeah well well that one i'll have to give credit to a a creative director so that was kind of a pitch for um a a client a pharmaceutical client actually uh yeah yeah (laughs) and so like they had a a drug that they wanted to to release to the market and they're like okay well it's going to make you pain free so the idea is you're now um you're now like aroused by all of the everyday activities that you know are so banal and and commonplace but you know you feel good and so um and the challenge with that i think was not taking it too literally but having enough enough of an expression or character to like make it a little a little cheeky but not like over the top i think it's a lot cheeky because of the characters that you picked for this this is not if you're thinking about arousal, mm-hmm. these are not the, the typical characters that, that I think most photographers would pick. Right. You've gone a very different direction. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want it to be about... I mean, I shoot a ton of beautiful 19-year-old girls with great faces and great bodies. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you expect in, in that sort right. of concept. So let's flip it on its head and uh, put someone in there you wouldn't expect. Um, but it's relatable, you know, because these are, right. these are everyday people. How has your pricing changed through the last few years, and how do you know how to how to price yourself? Oh boy! Well, uh, or do you know how to price I, yourself? <laughs> does anyone? I'm yeah. you know I'm still working on it. Um, I I do have an agent now, so he handles a lot of the pricing stuff, which is wonderful because I uh, you know I think I suffer from what most artists suffer from is the you know this question of self value and self worth, and always kind of underpricing yourself. Um, but, you know, that was a process. And when I started out, like most people, it's like, I'm not going to charge anyone for anything because I don't want to be held responsible if you don't like the imagery. And now it's, I've kind of reached a level of, uh, of peace with that. And it's kind of, you know, it is what it is. And I know the value of what I do. Um, again, you know, it's, 
It's now pay up, sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pay up, sucker. But, but in a nice way. Yeah. 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 Um, Somehow I don't think Kate is the type of person that has that tattooed on her palm. No. 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 Probably not. Well, too nice. I don't have any tattoos. Yeah. So. No don't, start. No. don't start. No. Don't start. It's a slippery slope. It's problematic for me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into um, a lot of personal work. How much of your website is personal versus paid? Every single thing on my website is personal work. So none of this was... You, you mentioned earlier you had there was a shoot that a creative director came up with. That was just like a friend or... Um, it was a, a pitch for a client and my agent had set me up with a creative director and the, the client ended up not um, going for the concept. Um, but it was kind of just like, here's a brief. Yeah. Let me see what you can do with this. And so that shoot, I actually did... He, he called me on Thursday and he was like, all right, here's the concept. And then... Um, what can you what can you get me by Monday? Yeah, <laughs> and, and so That's I a quick one. I set up. You know, I think there are six or seven images in that series. So I did all of that in one weekend, like just scrambling to find people who are who are available and using what resources I had. I mean, a couple of these were shot in my house. Um, I think, in fact, the only one that wasn't shot in my house was the. Um, the baker, I actually, she's an actress in town, and so I w- we went to her place. She had a great kitchen for it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was like a. So you've got a, a ton of different subjects. Yeah. Awesome looking subjects that I just assumed were part of paid gigs. How are you building? You know these relationships, and are you paying them, or are you doing trade for print? Um, I have been fortunate to develop really good relationships with the modeling agencies in town in Portland, and. Um, Everyone's like really game for pushing the boundaries. Um, there are a couple models you'll probably see repeatedly who have become really close friends, and I can call them up and say, you know, I have this really bizarre idea, and yeah. they're like, I don't care what it is, I'll go for it, let's do it. The, the series Imaginarium, I think, is also incredibly strong. Thank uh, you. Really well done, and the post is amazing. Are you doing all your own post? Yes. So um, that whole series is all composites. Um, and uh, it kind of it kind of started with uh, a backplate that I had had a, a landscape shot, and you know I'm still trying to I have this backlog of landscape photos that I still really love, and you know trying to become a landscape photographer is a challenge. So it's like how can I take these and, and turn them into something a bit more viable or interesting? And so um, I I wanted to do this series using these backplates that I have from trips and. Um, and make them all composite work to, to practice my own compositing as well. Um, and then this this Imaginarium concept com- came up, and it's just kind of like, you know, what crazy things can kids come up with? And yeah. um, it's great. You know, all the kids are sourced from the, one of the agencies in town, too, and so I'll just bring them in and shoot them in my studio. Um, shooting kids is great because they have a short attention span, which sounds... It's like Rob. Huh? What? what? Huh? Uh, <laughs> squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Where? <laughs> I love squirrels. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to shoot really quickly, and uh, sometimes I get like, I feel guilty if I models and hair and makeup for two hours, and then I shoot for fifteen minutes. You shoot quickly. I do. I don't see. I don't get that sense in looking at your work. It feels very, very crafted. Yet it's very simple, like a kid on a ladder mm-hmm. fishing, but he's catching the moon. Right. I mean, that concept is wonderfully thought out, but very, very simple. And it feels like that there was a lot of time that went into that. Well, there's a, there's a ton of time that goes into the pre-production and the, the concepting and the, the, you know, coming up with the actual concept. But I think I, 
I'd like to think I do a pretty good job of, of kind of drawing that all out. I kind of sketch out ideas, and I have a really good sense of what I'm going for before I go in and I shoot that image. Mm-hmm. So then when it's time to bring a four-year-old kid who has an attention span of six seconds, right. um, I can just go in there, set lights up, boom, click, done. So most of your experimentation is really happening in the drawing stages where you're, mm-hmm. you're coming up with a concept and thinking about it and crafting it, and then you're really preparing so that you have very little time that you need to have a model on set. Yeah, for sure. I do a lot of pre-production work. So for hair and makeup and prop stylists, wardrobe stylists, are mm-hmm. these friends of yours that you've met that are also you know working to build their book, or do you hire yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have about three three people that I work with almost exclusively, back home and um you know we're kind of on a, like a rotation schedule or every every couple of shoots we switch it up but they've been really great and um i think the portland realm is very devoted to um sports and athletics and lifestyle stuff so when they're on set um for for the work it's you know throw our hair in a braid and really light makeup and you know nothing too exciting and so for them it's an opportunity when they come in and shoot with me to be a little bit more creative and yeah. step outside the box so how long did it take the monochrome series where you're using just yeah, select just one color yeah where, how long i need that to take finish to that series <laughs> there's, there's more to it there's more to it um you yeah, have a couple more um you know it's funny that started out kind of on a on a whim, I was doing a fashion editorial. Um, the girl with the the afro and the yellow dress um, and the yellow background. That was kind of like, okay, we have this dress and I have this yellow background. So let's let's just at the end of a shoot take five minutes and see what we can come up with. Um, and that was the first image of the series. And then I was kind of like, you know, this this we're onto something here. Let's uh, let's see what else we can do. And I think the pink one followed that. And then. Um, it kind of just took off from are there. The, are the backdrops you're shooting on actually that color? Are you doing post-processing? Uh, for the those? most part, they're yeah. they're that color, pretty close to it. Um, so but, you're here in town teaching a class on color theory. Yes, I am. Just wrapped. How did you teach yourself that, or where did that come from? Um, well, I actually have... My, I, have, I have two undergraduate degrees. One is in structural engineering, and the other is in art history. Um, oh, and I grew yeah. up drawing and painting, and so I was always like, do I want to go to art school or do I want to go to engineering school? You know, I come from a family of freelance opera singers, and they're like, we know the struggle of the freelance world. Go to engineering school. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's... Stability. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's always been you know, something that I've been interested in. Um, so I learned about a lot about the theory of it in college, but, um, we also renovated a house about, uh, five years ago, I'd say. And we bought this historic farmhouse and I was obsessed with the interior decorating and like what wall color should, should this be and what paint color. Um, and Strangely enough, I feel like I learned a ton about color and its properties and how it's perceived in different environments um, and color combinations and all that kind of stuff throughout that process as well. Um, so, you know, it's always been an interest of mine, and the monochrome series is really meant to showcase kind of color uh, and how we perceive it in sort of a social context. Yeah. So, yeah. So, brown to use coffee? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's pretty relatable. Right? I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't drink coffee actually. But oh my God. me neither. I know. But I'm a tea guy. Me too. I'm a tea, I'm a tea man. I'm a tea tea girl. What's your go-to tea? Mm. I'm gonna judge you real hard. Dude. You can judge me. Okay. <laughs> Just um, kidding. You know, I'm, a, I'm like English breakfast. Oh yeah, me you know? too. Wow. 
I'm Just a big a English. Occasional Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. feeling saucy. Yeah. Late <laughs> afternoon. Earl Grey saucy? You get if that. I'm feeling saucy, which I'm right. quite so, frequently feeling saucy. You're almost always saucy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Have you been thinking like about our jingle guy. at all? Did you come no, up? No, you had a whole it. night to think of I a jingle. Think about it. I came up with one. Do you want to hear it? I want to hear it. You want to hear it? Yep. What would you say in the RGG podcast? <laughs> Do you think that would work? It's pretty yeah, good, right? I think, I think that's great. It's both original and awesome. I, yeah. It is. It is incredible. A plus. Yes. So when you're working on these series, do you do you have a minimum number that you're you're trying to go for? I they don't. Just, they just go where they go. They go where they go. Um, the Imaginarium series is the only one that I really have kind of a finite number for it. I'm, I'm working with a friend who is a, a children's book author, so. We would like to do, I think, somewhere around 25 of those and eventually wow. do a book. Um, but but the rest of them, it's kind of like, well, just kind of dictate. It's dictated by the story um, or by my attention span. Um, <laughs> Marco, you know, you know how, how long goes. can I pay attention? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, most of the series I shoot um, in one go because, you know, I kind of ride that that high and I can get a lot done um, in one sitting. It's the ones that are extended with one-off imagery like the monochrome and like the Imaginarium that are a little bit tricky and, and take a while because I have to kind of restart those gears every time I go to shoot again. So, um, And the Imaginarium in particular, you know, I'm, I'm at a point now where I kind of have exhausted the existing backplates that I do have, so now I need to go and yeah, take some more there. plates. and yeah. yeah. So how are people... Finding your work and or how are you selling yourself? How you get uh, the reps doing it? Yeah, I, the reps doing rep, all of it. He's well. I just signed uh, a couple months ago, so um, I'm hoping that we'll that get get the ball rolling. Um, but uh, you know, I've done I've done the agency access thing. I do promos, um, mailers, d- mailers, um, and then digitally. I kind of changed up my marketing scheme. Um, from last year. Last year was the kind of spray and pray approach to to marketing where you get the single image postcard and just send it out to a million people. Um, And I didn't really get a ton of response from that, which is not surprising. Um, This year I mixed it up and kind of was a lot more selective about who I would send stuff to um, and if the work was really relevant to them and kind of put together more of a, a complex package um, with you know a little some bits and bobs too, and I've I've gotten a much much better reception taking that approach and trying to be more personal and more um, more relevant to the clients that I'm trying to pursue. It's interesting that your entire website is all personal work. Mm-hmm. Are people calling and saying, "Hey, where's the validation on actual client work? Like, do they need that?" Or, or yeah, you know that's something that I thought would be an issue, and. Um, I, I haven't come across it thus yeah. far, luckily. I mean, who knows? Well, create, you know, creative directors and art directors, they, they want to see the personal stuff mm-hmm. more right. than anything. Right. Um, it's art buyers that are different. They need to, they need to see what's... Yeah, you got you to prove a, that you can do it. It's a weird mix. Yeah, for sure. When did you start doing workshops? Uh, one year ago, actually. Um, How, do you like them? I do, yeah. What was the first one like? Were you... Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> How did you yeah. prepare for it? 
Oh, well, I'm an obsessive planner. So uh, as much like if you think about the pre-production that work that goes into these images, multiply it by a thousand. And that's the work that I put into for the workshop. So, you know, I have like a hundred slide slideshow with, you know, going through everything from color theory to color psychology and and grading and all of that stuff. Um, it's for me, it's almost structured like a like a lecture class. So the first part is really like getting into um, the theory of color, but also like why why you make the decisions that you make as far as color goes. And then the second half is really about kind of my process and um, what I do in Photoshop to get from point A to point B. Um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of information I'm throwing at people, um, but I think it's good to have an understanding of. Um, you know why I'm doing what I'm doing instead of just showing them the process because anyone can duplicate a process but to be able to put your own um, perspective on things and your own point of view you need to to understand why you're doing it so that's if there's one takeaway that I want people to have when they take my workshop is I want them to to go out into the world and start perceiving color and recognizing it because I think as as photographers we're trying to do that with light you know, we recognize ambient lighting everywhere and are kind of constantly assessing lighting. And you can do the same thing with color as well. In terms of, in terms of your website, what are you currently using to, to build it on? Do you enjoy that side of the process, updating and maintaining the blog, the website? Oh, well, don't, everybody, don't look at my blog. It's terrible. <laughs> it's non-existent. Um, you know, I like, I like, Updating the site, I use Squarespace, um, and it, you know, for the most part, it works for for my needs. And I like adding the new work, but it's, I mean, I'd rather spend my time yeah. editing photos. For us, it's it's always like the blogs, like most photographers, it's like something you always want to do, and you're like, I'm gonna write, oh yeah, Best two or three times a week, and uh-huh. then it's like, shit, it's been four months since yeah, I did it. Yeah, a blog is definitely a place where intentions have gone to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. That's what a blog is. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I express myself much better visually than in words, so I might as well. I mean, I, I'm creating two to three times a week. I mean, I shoot so often, so, I mean, that's... My, if you go to Instagram, that's basically my visual blog. That's where I'm probably the most active. What are the most challenging aspects of the business for you? Like, what are your pain points that you're still struggling with to, mm-hmm. to overcome and, and be better at? Um... I think it's it's the marketing, it's the networking, and uh, having the patience to realize that that takes time, especially in a new location. I mean, two years into a business, I'm I'm just starting to really become known in my field, in in my area, um, and then, you know, I'm still trying to get work in New York and L.A., um, which is where I think my aesthetic works a bit better. Um, and obviously, they're, they're huge markets and. Um, you know, having an agent here helps significantly because they can do kind of the legwork versus me having to come out and do trips and and that kind of thing. Um, the the content creation is definitely not the issue. I I can just pound at work all day. Of ideas. I I do. Um, I literally have like a, a shot list of about a hundred concepts that I I want to do, um, but it's kind of. Uh, the where I struggle is kind of capitalizing on that and and being able to leverage that body of work and say okay here's what I got how can I make this work for me financially so what do you think you're struggling with the most right now with 
Um, I hate talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can so, um, you know, you have to be a bit of a salesperson as a photographer. You have to sell yourself and, and be confident in your work. And um, that's definitely something I struggle with. I prefer to let the images speak for, for themselves. Um, I was in a meeting uh, in June in New York, and it was at, at a, a TV network, and they had about 10 photo editors in the room. And... They all seemed really impressed with the work, but I got an email from the guy that I had set up the meeting with uh, afterwards, and he was like, you know, you're really different from most photographers that come in here because they just love to ramble on about themselves, and you have uh, you have such an interesting backstory, having coming from an engineering background, and you've only been doing this professionally for two years, and I think that's stuff you need to talk about and leverage um, because it kind of sets you apart, but which which was so bizarre for me to hear because I I was under the impression that I should just try that fake it till I make it approach and let the work speak for itself and make it seem that I was way more experienced than I was. But so uh, you know I'm working on it. But I, I think I think clients are actually really interested in that. They want to know what what your perspective is and mm-hmm. why you come to the images that you do. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, share your your history and your background with them. I will try. It's important. Yeah. Are you still doing the portfolio showings? Do you go in? Um, no, I did the I did the Palm Springs one last year uh, through PPE, uh, which was great. I mean, I, I met a, a good amount of people and made some connections through that, which was nice. Um, the the roster I don't this year I think didn't really align with kind of where I was going, so I opted out this time. But um, but I I would not be disinclined to do another one maybe do the one in palm springs next year um i think especially in this day and age in this market if you're a freelancer and you're trying to sell yourself um and you don't have anyone to really vouch for you and you're newer in the industry it's a great opportunity to get your work in front of people that um otherwise would just you know toss your mailer in the trash and not think of you ever again so how do you want people to think of you? Like, if you you, you are somewhat new, mm-hmm. your body of work is incredibly deep for somebody who's only been working a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want people to to know about you? To think about you as a photographer? And where do you where do you want this career to go? Um, dang, that's, that's it's a, a tough big, question. question. That's a deep question. I mean, I guess there 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 are two answers to that, and one is sort of from a, a personal approach, like a, a character, what I want them to see, and I want to be seen as, you know, kind of professional and above re- reproach. Um, I, you know, I don't want to come in looking like I have any kind of attitude or ego or anything like that. Um, but then from the work perspective, I just want to be seen as someone who has authentic and really interesting ideas and um, you know, they, I want someone to say, okay, I have this idea that no one has come up with before. Who do we want for that? And I want to be that person. All right. So scenario. Yep. You have an unlimited budget. <laughs> Time Must doesn't nice. matter. Space <laughs> doesn't matter. Travel doesn't matter. You can mm-hmm. hire anyone. Mm-hmm. What is the next personal shoot that you would do? Hmm. Well, I would love the idea of getting into, like, key art, movie poster kind of stuff. Um, And I'm a huge fantasy nerd. Um, So maybe something that kind of ties those together. Like, if they were still filming Lord of the Rings, I would totally do, like, the next big epic movie poster kind of series for that. But, yeah, that would be it. 
plus did I would a, go back to Middle Earth. Did so. you have a favorite <laughs> favorite um, movie in that series? Uh, I don't know. I think Two Towers might be my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I just went to that whole solid. series with my uh, eight-year-old daughter. Oh, nice. And we we started we started we watched them in order. So we uh-huh. watched the the most recent ones, which mm-hmm. was the second series. Yeah, I guess it was The Hobbit. The Hobbit. And then uh, and then it was funny. We, then we watched The Lord of the Rings, and my daughter was like. This looks different. This is just, something's <laughs> off here. I was like, yeah, there was shot Older like technology. There was shot like 15 years apart or something stupid like that. I was just talking to someone the other day uh, about this, and I had read somewhere that Ian McKellen was like so upset filming the Hobbit series because he, it was like most of it was just green screen, um, whereas the first one they were kind of out and about and yeah, in yeah. in New Zealand. So um, yeah, it's definitely a very different aesthetic, but. The, the OG stuff is where it's at, I think. <laughs> the OG. The OG. Yeah. The, OG. <laughs> the OG stuff is definitely where it's at. <laughs> so where can people go to check out your work and follow you on the grams? And on the grams. All that, all that um, well, my website is easy. It's my name, katewoodman.com. And my Instagram handle is katewoodman underscore photo. Awesome. And are that's you where on, I'm at. Are you on the snap? I'm not. In? I'm not. I'm like. Uh, I'm always like two steps behind on the wow. social media bandwagon. So you know. Nothing wrong with that in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, well, who's that's because Rob got time for that? Password. You tell everybody that, but it's true. I don't know. My <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. It was great well, to thank you finally for meet you me. and, and yeah. chat with you and yeah. get into your mind a little bit. And, uh, we wish you the best of luck, and hopefully great. we can. Maybe attend one of your workshops one of these days. I'm looking forward to it. We love your work. Thank you. Congratulations. You've built a really beautiful body of work. Thanks so much. So download this episode in the entire season five shot here in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Go to rggedupodcast.com and also subscribe where we publish a new episode every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google. Rob, by the next episode, you need to have a jingle. Caprende, and the next episode starts in two minutes. Okay. All right? All right, cheers. Thankfully, Robert and Gary were able to see past their differences, and Rob decided that he was actually quite fond of the Cookie Monster. We are all very grateful to them for working through the conflict resolution in order to save the company. Season 5 of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Ellen Chrome. The team at Ellen Chrome believes that photography, in all its forms, is one of life's great ongoing adventures, and they are firmly committed to creating lighting gear, modifiers, and accessories that make these adventures more fulfilling, productive, and rewarding. With the launch of the new ELB 500 TTL, adventurous portrait photographers desiring a TTL solution for both in-studio and on-location use can now join in on the fun 